0: Okay, if you got your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, we're in the middle of a series called Free Indeed, because he who the Son says free is free indeed, indeed. and uh, we're talking about how you can live in total freedom, Uh, and uh, understanding that's one of the missions and mandates that Jesus came uh, for, that you and I would experience salvation but would also live in freedom. So if you go to Luke 4, 4, verse 16, it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, now uh, this is his custom, he went to the synagogue. How many know that's a good custom to have? Just to have a, a routine when it comes to church attendance. You know, so many people are just here and then, oh, well, I don't feel like it next week. Well, when it comes to building a life on the rock of who Jesus is, I believe it's great to establish, you know, customs where you, you regularly pick up your Bible. Not just when you have a, a problem or an emergency, but, but you seek God on a daily basis. You know, I pray, I pray every day. You know, and and when you do that, read your Bible, pray every day. What do you do? You you grow, you grow, and you grow, and and you know so many people are stunted in their, their Christian walk because they don't have a custom. And uh, if if church is not a regular deal for you, can I encourage you? You know, maybe make the 3:30 service your service on a Sunday. And and make it your custom. And as you do that, you know other people in your life will go, well, what what are you doing, 3.30? Well, I'll go to church. And they may even ask you to come along. They may ask for you to bring them along. Here it goes. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Listen to verse 18. It says, the Spirit... Of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, "Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." And in other words, you're saying, "Let me tell you what I'm saying is, I am him. I am the Messiah." You know, here in Isaiah, is a, a requite of Isaiah, Isaiah was saying this: is What will happen when the Messiah comes? And Jesus turns up on the scene. He reads from the book of Isaiah and he says, I'm him. I am the Messiah. And within this passage of scripture, you find five foundational ministries of Jesus. Five foundational ministries of, of what Jesus came to do. The first one is salvation, to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's salvation. The second ministry is Spirit baptism. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we know the Holy Spirit descended upon him when he was in the water, and he he baptized him, and he was anointed. You know, everybody needs to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The uh, the third ministry of of Jesus was healing. Here he says, my my mission is to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Then it's deliverance, to proclaim liberty to the captives, And number five is emotional healing, which is to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about emotional healing. Ooh, We're going to go deep. Not physical healing. You know, God does that. We heard of miracles taking place. Not mental healing, not sexual healing, but emotional healing. And, and uh, some of you are thinking, well, you know, that's for people who are really emotional. Here, here's the deal. One thing is, we are all emotional beings. Some of us suppress our emotions. Some of us overexpress our emotions. You know, and to care, but we're emotional beings and, and, you know, we need to... Uh, find God in, in this place. And here he says, I've I've come to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, now in the King James version it says to, to to it says to set at liberty those who are bruised. How many have ever been bruised before? You know, got a good dead leg or a Charlie as we used to call it, you know, it's just like whack or a dead arm, it's like, you know, it gives you a bruise. And, and bruises stay around, and they're very painful. But, but here's the thing, in our emotions, our emotions can be bruised, and, and there's pain attached to it. And, and so tonight, you know, all I have is I have two points, and, and, and it's really easy. Today I want to talk about broken, heart and, uh, broken hearts and bruises. Wow. Broken hearts and bruises. Number one, Jesus came to heal broken hearts. Come on, we should get excited by that. Because we live in a world where there's a whole lot of broken hearts. Uh, A whole lot of people have experienced what it means to be broken hearted. And broken hearted comes from two Greek words. Here's the first one. Heart means heart. Wow. Wow. You didn't know that. But broken actually means to break into pieces. It means to shatter. And there's a difference to this. It doesn't mean to pull apart. Just a little by a little. It's it's like, you know, an old Akarok cup. How many ever had a, a Akarok cups growing up? You know, those brown see-through cups. You know, they're often found at batches these days. You know, homes, you know, yeah, you a know, good place. You know, because they were meant to be unbreakable. Uh, you couldn't break those things. You know, you could drop them. You know, they couldn't... Go through a whole lot of stuff, but, but not be broken. But, but you could break them. But here's the deal. When you broke them, they didn't just break in a, a few pieces. They, they shattered. Shattered into, you know, tiny uh, bits of glass. And, you know, it, there was no way that you'd know it was a, even, uh, it was a cup. Uh, you know, if you just saw, saw the shattered pieces. And, and here, uh, Jesus is saying, you know, I've come to heal uh, shattered lives. Shattered lives. I've come to heal lives that that have lost their their sense of hope. You know, I want to ask you a question. Uh, The question tonight is Has your heart ever been broken? Uh, Some of you are going, I'm too young for that. Well, uh, if you'd be honest, most of us would say yes to that. Uh, Here's another question Has your heart ever been shattered? Because the good news tonight is somebody can heal that. There's somebody who can put every piece of that back together and you don't have to live with a broken heart. Yeah. Come on, life can be difficult. Stuff happens. You know, maybe a parent, a family member let you down, disappointed you, uh, disappointed you abused you, you know, left you out, left you behind when you are young. You know, maybe nah, somebody you loved didn't love you back the same way that you loved them. It wasn't reciprocated and, and it ended with a broken relationship. Or, or perhaps you went for a job and, and you missed out on the job. You, you thought you'd get it, but you were rejected. Or you went for a sports team you know, and you were overlooked. You know, perhaps that was there. And you know, you've just hit certain levels. You've given up on things because, because of that rejection. Or perhaps somebody close to us died. Now, no matter what the reason, the specific reason for our broken heart, uh, the root cause is normally the same you know, of, of the great loss or, or disappointment. You know, in the, in the end, you know, what it, it makes us feel is we feel hurt, we feel scorned, we feel forgotten, we feel crushed, and we feel rejected. And even though we're blessed as Christians, you know, how many know Jesus never promised a pain-free life? He, he never promised that. And so these things are real. But, but when they happen to us, when when events like this happen to us, what, what comes in is the enemy can come in and create a stronghold as a result of that broken heart and bruise. Uh, and that's what happens because, you know, the, the stronghold is, it, it comes in because of the rejection that we've faced. And our heart can be broken over a relationship, over a friendship, or a loss. And because of that, it's like the spirit comes on top of that. And, and where we see things that we now see our future through that lens of rejection. I, I want you to know what happens when rejection comes in and how that you and I, each and every one of us, are susceptible to rejection. Maybe you've never heard this before, but here's a theological truth. You and I are born rejected. We're born rejected. Oh, some of you go, well, oh, my parents love me. You know, think, No, no. we're born rejected because here's the deal. We were born with a sin nature. And, and a holy God cannot have a relationship with, with somebody stuck in sin. And, and that's why Jesus came to, to, to bridge the gap of that. And, and, and that's why each and every one of us, you know, we can easily be rejected because of this nature that's within us. You know, and this happens growing up, and it fosters, if we're not careful, you know, this rejection that stops us moving into everything that God has for our life. See, if we let our hurts go untreated, if we hold on to grudges or feeling of being rejected, and we see our hurts as being untreatable, then they become footholds for the enemy to influence those areas in our life. Come on, is this making sense this <laughs> afternoon? untreated hurt and feelings of rejection can enslave us wow. they can enslave us and they can keep us in bondage now now here's seven ways that that untreated wounds can manifest themselves okay quickly the emotional strongholds I'm going to go through seven just quickly here's the first one anger anger you know people have outbursts of anger it's like normally it's because of spirit of rejection it's like a spirit of rage comes on them and suddenly they do things that they, they thought they'll never do. They punch holes in walls. You know, it's like the, the Hulk, you know, David Banner, you know, you don't want to see me when I'm angry. It's like you lose control. You say stuff you shouldn't. You, you, you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do and it's because the, the, the spirit is extreme inappropriate displays of anger are normally evidence of an emotional stronghold stemming actually stemming from a past pain. Come on, if you have an uncontrollable anger, fits of rage, it, it, it can be a personality disorder, but it also can be as a result of giving the enemy a foothold a, as a result of an area of pain and rejection. You know, in the end, King Saul in the Bible was a classic for this. Because of Saul's obedience, disobedience should I say, God rejected Saul as king over Israel. We see it. And, and oh, it's just disappeared in my notes. In Second Samuel, I think it is. I'll just find it. It's gone. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 26. My mum knew it on the front row. 26. First Samuel, not Second Samuel, First Samuel chapter 15, verse 26. It says, But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of God and the Lord has what he has rejected you from being king over Israel now as a result of Saul's disobedience what happened it was a distressing spirit came upon Saul and it resulted in a spirit of rage there was one time that David was playing his harp you know and he was meant to soothe him. it'd be soothing him but in the end Saul got into a fit of rage he took a javelin and tried to pin David to the wall uh, how many know that's not normal behavior? As a result, David escaped. Now, some of us, we have been brought up in homes where anger is normal. Uh, and, you know, just outbursts of anger, people punch. Uh, that's not normal. That, that's not normal. And, and, and there's a freedom God can bring to, to, to individuals, to lives, that ultimately will transform households. Yeah, and, and the first you know, manifestation is anger. The second one is insecurity. As a result of rejection, you know, uh, where pu- people constantly need attention. You know, where they're constantly needing to be propped up. Oh, how do I look in this? How do I look? You know, every moment they're concerned about everybody around them. And, and, and it really it stems from uh, a root of rejection. You know, where, where people are overly concerned about their appearance. And, they, uh, and, and their position, you know, they like to be noticed. It's, it's where they sit, and, and if they don't get mentioned or if somebody walks past them and doesn't acknowledge them, it's almost like they, they get offended real easy because of the insecurity that's on the inside of them. You know, sometimes this can be a character quirk, but other times it can be a, as a result of a deep wounding. And that wound has been left untreated. And what now it is, it's a foothold for the enemy to use. For the enemy to you. So insecurity. The third one is, third area is pride. Now this can manifest in different ways. Often it's people who have to talk about their own accomplishments. It's like you tell them some good news and they've got some better news. (laughs) Come on, how many have met a person like this? It's like you tell them something and it's like they one-up it. (laughs) <laughs> they went up it, and uh, it's that like people who portray themselves better at, than other people, or who always have to give their opinions and dominate conversation, you know. And they always believe they're right and everybody else is wrong. And sometimes that pride is a result of a deep wounding because, you know, it's like I've been hurt and I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. Yeah, wow. Wow. And so, the way that we accomplish this is actually by being self sufficient. And it's a form of pride, which can lead to inappropriate risk. It's like people take stupid risks, you know, because they're, they're trying to prove something. Okay, next one is, uh, the fourth area is independence. You know, independence is like, you can come this close, but no further. You know, they'll always hold it, people who always hold people at arm's length. Uh, they're guarded and won't let anybody come close. They won't listen to counsel, and in the end, they do what they want to do no matter what. Uh, this, this independence stems from rejection or perceived abandonment in the past. And what it is, is a safeguard against pain, and they build, uh, so we build walls around ourselves so nobody will rejection, uh, reject them. Number five is, is when people have a touchiness. In other words, they're easily offended. You know, with some people, it's like you walk around, and it's like you're walking around on eggshells. You know, they're, they're a little bit sensitive. They're, they take, take every comment personally. You know, you, you say a joke, and they didn't get the joke, and they, they thought it was against them. You know, it, it's, it's like even if you joke, you have to be extremely careful what you say. You know, some people, you know, even in church, man, as a, as a preacher, it's hard sometimes because people say, oh, were you referring to me when you said that? No, I wasn't. I was just preaching. Now, now, now some people are naturally more sensitive than others, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about ultra-sensitivity. Okay, number six is, is people with excessive loneliness or shyness. Uh, the key word here is Excessive. You know, I'm talking about an overt, irrational fear of people, being around people, a fear, anxiety. It's often a result of rejection. Number seven is is uh, last one: a need to control, uh, control, and manipulation. A- anyone who has to control and manipulate has a spirit of rejection, because they have to. What they have to do is they have to control other people's responses. And what it boils down to, I've been hurt in the past, so, so you want to control them so that they don't reject you in the future. And, and it's like they do this often by, you do this by deflecting. Like, like you know, attention comes on you, but what about you? You know, you, you're no better. You know, nobody can point something out, and often they'll, they'll try and intimidate, because what you find is hurt people. Hurt people. You know that, hurt people, hurt people. Offended people tend to offend people, you know, it's the way people who, who, who control sometimes do it through, through self-pity, they try and get a whole lot of people feeling sorry for them, you know, and they unload all their hardships, it's like, you know, some people you talk to, it's just like, oh, you know, life's one drama after another drama, and they've got it worse than everybody else, and it's like, you know, as soon as you try and confront something in their life, they cry. Uh, they, they start crying. You know, basically when they cry, what they're saying is, you're hurting me. Stop hurting me. Yeah. You know, have you ever had a, had a child? You know, you address something, they cry, they throw a tantrum. And then, you know, to appease them, you go, hey, you want to go out for ice cream? And they stop in a moment. You know, they, they stop like that. And it's, it's like, up till then, it's like you're killing the kid. You know, it's like, no. You know, but the moment you're off, you know, some people are like that. It's just like until they get what they want, they're like, ah, crying about life, crying about life until they you know, and, and it's a form of control and manipulation. Is this helping anyone? Is this putting the spotlight on any areas? I don't know. But but the defense mechanisms is what I'm saying, and and, and what we do is we build walls and, and we arm ourselves. But, but the problem is, the walls that we're thinking are there to protect ourselves are, are the very walls that prevent God's goodness and healing coming into our life. Through, through these whole areas, we think, oh, we're, we're all right. And, and, and it's, a, it's an illusion. Here's the thing, you need to let God into those spaces because God, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, that's good news. You can be healed from those things. You don't have to walk with those, but, those, you know, they're, they're just, you know, the causes, there's a root. The root is rejection, but that's how they're manifest. Okay, number two, second point. I only got two points, is Jesus came to heal bruises. Remember, Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed or those who are bruised. And what a bruise is, it's inward bleeding. And and here's what I really want you to know: to set at liberty, to set people free of being bruised, yeah. Because a bruise can hold you in in bondage; it can keep you in bondage. If Jesus said, "I came to set people free," of being oppressed, bruised, and crushed, it means now what it means is that that bruise can actually hold you. And and this word actually means crushed. Yeah. First question I asked you was: Has your heart ever been broken? How many would be honest right now and say, yeah, my heart's been broken. Okay, some of you, you know, insecurity won't let you do that. You need to get free from that in Jesus' name. Okay, here's a second question I want to ask you is, uh, has it ever been crushed? Has something ever happened to you that just crushed you? Come on, loss of a marriage, whether it's your marriage or your parents split up. Loss of a relationship, loss of a family member. Now, I'm not trying to be insincere with these things because in this room, there's real pain. And, and it crushes you. And, and it's like the enemy comes in and then tries to take advantage of that. How I many know the devil will kick you when you're down? It's not good you're just down. He's not going to leave you alone. He's just going to keep on kicking you. And here's one of the strongholds that comes in, happens uh, when we're crushed, is... Is unforgiveness. Wow. This is the thing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. Okay, it says, Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? He thought he was being very generous. He says, Up to seven times? Man, I'm a saint. Seven times. Then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. I mean, he, he's like, you know, it's just, like he goes, man, I'll be generous. And, and Jesus just blows it out of the water. Blows it out of the way. And then he tells him a story. He tells him a story of a sin man who owed a debt. And in today's currency, it would be like owing somebody $52 million. That's a big debt. That's a huge debt. And he went to his master and he asked forgiveness from that debt. And the, and the master forgave him. How many think that, that would be a great day? You're 52 million dollars in debt, and you got that all forgiven. You know, that represents our salvation. You know we couldn't pay the debt; it was impossible. But Jesus forgave us. But the story goes on that that same person went out and found somebody who owns 44 dollars in today's currency. 44 dollars, and he went and threw that guy in prison until he could pay what was due. Now, he'd just been forgiven of $52 million. And then somebody who owed him $44, he sent him to prison. Now, What do you think the master who forgave the $52 million is going to do? Well, let's look at it. In verse 32, it says, Then the master, after he called to him, said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you of all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, I wonder what the torturers represent. One version says tormentors. Now, I want you to notice something very, very carefully. Jesus tells the story, and He says something very interesting in verse 35. Verse 35, it says, listen to this. So my heavenly Father will also, also will do, do to you, if each of you, from his heart, not just with his mouth, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So what will the heavenly Father do if you don't forgive? What will He do? Anybody know? Come on, He'll turn you over to tormentors. And some of you going, what? In First Corinthians chapter 15, there was a man living in sin and Paul actually instructed him to turn this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved. Why would God ever allow... That to happen. Listen to me very carefully. Think about the Old Testament. When Israel would reject God, God would then turn them over to the enemy. Why? Why would He do that? So that they would repent, and so that they would come back to God, so that they would know what bondage is like, and they would not stay there. You know, because if they stay there, they'll ultimately die. And, and and if you don't forgive somebody, ultimately. What, he's gonna, what God's going to do is He's going to allow you to be tormented so that you will forgive. Otherwise, you're just going to live a miserable life. And He's saying, I don't want you to live this way. You know, I, you can do it your way, but it's going to end in misery. I want to bring freedom to your life. And the reason I'm saying this is you can't be delivered uh, unless you, you understand forgiveness. And the principle of forgiveness. And when you operate in the spirit of forgiveness, what you're saying is, God, I'm going to let you be the judge. Yeah. You know, when we hold unforgiveness, bitterness can come in. When we hold unforgiveness, what we are making ourselves is we are making ourselves a higher judge than God. Wow. Yeah. You know, James says this to us. He says in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Listen to me. You can't resist the devil unless you submit to God. You, you can't resist the devil unless you submit to God. And, and submitting to God is really saying, God, you've forgiven me. Doesn't matter what people have done to me, how they've hurt me, I'm going to forgive them. You know, here's another scripture on, on forgiveness just to show you how the enemy gets a foothold in this whole area. Because you know the guy in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 who got turned over to Satan? He repented. That's the good news. He went on. He repented. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul is right now saying to him, hey, forgive him. Forgive him and receive him back into the family. You know, he was a headache once. He did a whole lot of stuff that was wrong. But now I want you to forgive him and I want you to receive him back into the family. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, "Now, now whom you forgive anything... I will also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Listen to this. Least Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Come on, some of us think, man, I've got a right. You're holding on to your right to hold unforgiveness. You're holding judgment. Because you, you've let that hurt get in, and now you, you're holding on forgiveness. Now, you've got to understand there's a difference, a difference between forgiveness and trust. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm not saying you have to trust that individual straight away. That's good, yeah. good. Good. But you do need to forgive. Yeah, Some people think, well, forgiveness is just, you know, trusting them again. No, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, but you are commanded to forgive. Let me tell you yeah, how Satan takes advantage and I'll explain to you how this, he opens this wound and the spirit comes in. You know, spirit of anger, spirit of unforgiveness, spirit of fear, rejection and bitterness. You know, what he does Second 2 Corinthians talks about in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 14, it says, Satan himself transforms into an angel of light. Transform or masquerades. You know, that's what it means in the Greek. It's like going to a, a masquerade ball. You've, you've got a mask, and, and you're high. you you can not see who who the person really is. And so, so this is what Satan does. He pretends to be a good angel, a good but he's not. Wow. You know. I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit, He's the Comforter. Satan is the tormentor. Wow. Come on, think it. Yeah. Out. The Holy Spirit is there, and Satan is the? Uh, but, but what the enemy does when you get hurt is he holds a mask up and he pretends to be the comforter. He, he pretends. You know, uh, let's say Kathy and I have an argument. An argument about something and she says something to me and then I leave. Here's what Satan does. He comes to me and he puts his arm around me and he pretends to comfort me. And he, and he does it by saying, you know, little statements like this. Oh, well, she shouldn't have said that to you. That was our line. You know, after all you've done for her? You know, she doesn't respect you. Wow. You know, remember what she did last week? And, and he starts whispering in my ear those types of things. And what is he doing? He, he's comforting me. He's going, oh, you poor thing. You've been mistreated. She shouldn't talk to you like that. And, and then he, he'll say something like this. He'll say, you know, you need to remember this. You need to remember. You'll never be able to get over this. You can't forget. And here's what we think. You know, I forgive her because you know I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. And uh, you know, we think we we'll forgive, but you go, but I'm not forgetting this. I'm not forgetting. And, and Satan will say, whispering, "Yeah, you just saw her true character. You just and, and, and he just lies like that." And he's got his arm around me. And here's the deal. If I agree with him and put my arm around him and say, yeah, you're right. Thank you for being such a good friend. Thank you for comforting me in this time. You know, how many knows? Enemy can even use our natural friends in this. What we've done just in that moment, if we put our arm around him, we've opened a door. We've opened a door for bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, anger, malice, hate, envy. Jealousy, pride, and independence, and, and all of those things come in. And how many know? Then they stop comforting us, they start tormenting us. So initially, they present themselves as a comforter, but in the end, they bind us and hold us in captivity. So, so here, you know, you know, we want to be delivered, but we've got this wound, and somebody's praying. I take authority over the Spirit, and I take authority over that Spirit. But here's what the Spirit is saying. It's saying we don't have to go. We don't have to go, because we've got legal ground to remain here. While you've got unforgiveness in your life, you can't get free. You know, they've got legal ground until that wound gets healed. And that's why some of us are hitting walls and ceilings, and we don't even know about it. Yeah, come on, this this maybe you're all good right now, but I want to help you because there will come a time where you'll get challenged with an offense. You'll get challenged with a hurt, a pain. You go through some stuff and you won't understand what happened. And there'll be the challenge of, are you gonna forgive? You know, now now I've been saved. Yeah, I've been saved. But how many know each and every one of us at some point need our emotions healed? We have to be delivered and baptized. Yeah. Uh, If we could have the musicians up. We're going to finish it off. Uh, I believe the biggest challenge that will happen in your life other than salvation is when you start to apply this stuff. Uh, Because when you get healed of stuff, it it changes you. You Just subtle words. Now, some of us have had words spoken to us by teachers, by parents, by friends that have just lodged in our head. And and we can't get rid of them. And in fact, those words now we've built our whole identity around them. Come on, God today wants to heal you of past hurts and past wounds. Now, now, let me say something to you. If someone has hurt you, and that person, that person may never ever get on their knees and ask for your forgiveness. But let me tell you something, Jesus got on his knees. And He washed the disciples' feet. And He'll get on His knees in front of you and take that hurt off you and wash you and set you free. Now, now what I want to do right across this room, this is an important moment, is I want you to close your eyes. Because I really believe God wants to bring some inner healing this afternoon. And this is important. Don't move because something is about to happen to you and it's going to change your life. What I'm going to ask is, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit bring, to, bring some of the memories to your mind right now that He wants to heal. Yeah, Some of you are going to start getting some memory, memories. Some of them are going to come to mind. Some traumatic events. Some words that were spoken to you as a child might have been verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. It might be something that happened with your parents or a close friend or a spouse. It might be something that you did that you're so ashamed of. And, and sometimes it's not forgiving somebody else. Sometimes it's just forgiving ourselves. So I, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring that to mind. Those things that He wants to heal. Let me tell you, there could be some hurt and pain when it comes to mind. It's painful, but that's about to go. You still may have the memory, but you won't have any more pain with it. And if a spirit came in with it and took advantage, we're going to cast that spirit out today. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something as an act of faith. I'm going to ask you if the Holy Spirit brought something big or small to mind. There was a reason for it, and He he wants to heal you. So as an act of faith, with every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Just as an act of faith. If that's you, the Holy Spirit has brought something to mind. Come on, just lift it high, lift it high. There's no shame. Come on, lift it high. number of people just just lifting their hand. Now, if you've been wounded and this memory's come to mind, what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to submit these memories to God. Because it's going to be Amazing. As we pray, as we pray, I, I really believe that stress is going to leave you. Come on, that thing that's bringing, bringing confusion. Right now, I'm gonna, in fact, what I want people to do is I want everybody to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. You know, this happened yesterday on a deeper level, but we're just opening up. Now. now, I really encourage people in this place you know, to to get to the next encounter weekend because, you know, this is where you can walk in freedom. Some of you, you know, you wonder why things are heavy, things are hard. Could it be that there's open doors in your life and things have got in that you need to be delivered from? But right in this moment, I believe people are going to be set free. Come on, if that's you, you just say, man, I want to live in freedom. Lift your hands right now because we're going to pray. And I want you to repeat these words after me right now. Repeat these words. Father, I submit these memories to you. Come on, all together. Father, I submit these memories to you. I ask you to heal me now from all the stress and give me a holy forgetfulness. I choose now by an act of my will to forgive. Come on, I want you to forgive that person, that event. I choose now by act of my will to forgive. Everybody say to forget and to be healed in Jesus' name. Just everybody lift your hands right now. Holy Spirit, come. If you have a heavenly language, maybe just begin to speak in that heavenly language. Just, Spirit of God, right now, come. Fill. Come on, the Holy Spirit's touching people in place. These there's tears, don't worry. Just let the Holy Spirit do everything that He needs to do right now. Come on, I said right at the beginning, this is going to be a significant service. This is going to be a powerful time. But again, if you don't respond in faith, you know, you'll miss out. But here could be a moment that could send your, set your life on a whole new trajectory. Come on, every spirit of rejection, gone in Jesus' name. Every spirit of inferiority, gone right now where hearts have been crushed. I I thank you, God. You're bringing healing. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, you're healing the brokenhearted. You're setting at liberty, those who are oppressed. Lord, right now, we come against every spirit. Lord, that's not from you. and Lord, we thank you, God, for freedom. In Jesus' name.